One of the aspects of the ministry of Jesus Christ that has been near and dear to my heart is his extraordinary way of painting word pictures that reveal to us uh, the character and the capacity of God. And one of my very favorite ones of those word pictures is the one that we find in John chapter 14, verses 15 and following, where Jesus speaks to us of the coming of the paraclete. The word in Greek is actually parakletos. It is frequently translated the advocate. And I want to reflect with you today about the ministry of the advocate in your life. Now that word advocate or parakletos is a fascinating one because like many Greek words, it is loaded with layers of meaning that are difficult to get at with any single English word. That's why if you uh, are uh, opening in various versions of the Bible, different translations of the Bible uh, to John chapter 14, sometimes you will uh, hear that word advocate translated by a different word. Uh, Sometimes you'll hear it uh, spoken of as Uh, the comforter, or the counselor, or the helper. And I want to think with you today about these different uh, aspects of the ministry of the advocate, or the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, uh, in our particular lives. And the first of those uh, meanings that I want to explore, I want to do by way of uh, remembrance. Some years ago, uh, the news media was affixed on the, um, the unfolding of a, of a drama on one of the uh, airstrips of our world. A terrorist group had captured a Transworld Airlines flight. They had grounded the flight, and they were now holding the crew and all of the passengers hostage and were negotiating uh, terms with the authorities. Uh, throughout this 17-day ordeal... Our only contact with what was actually going on inside of the plane was through the face and the voice of the plane's captain, John Testrocki, who would lean out the cockpit window to talk to the people uh, out on the runway, whether they were officials or they were news media. He was the voice of what was going on inside of the plane. And on the other side, uh, from what we could see, there was a terrorist standing with a, with a gun, a pistol, right against the side of John Testrocki's head, lest he uh, say anything inappropriate. And I know I, for one, and many others were extraordinarily impressed by the captain's cool throughout this ordeal. I mean, just imagine that. 17 days, right, inside of this tin can, uh, heating up in every emotional and physical sense, unsure when the terrorists would lose their cool and blow your brains out. Uh, Testrocki continued to represent the concerns of his passengers before the world and to, to serve as the intermediary in the negotiations that went on with the terrorists. No one had any idea at that point how Testrocki was maintaining that poise and that confidence and that presence that he did. But we now know, because a couple of years before John Testrocki died, uh, he, he granted a final interview, and the journalist had the presence of mind to say, how'd you do it? What do you remember from that particular day? And this is what John Testrocki had to say in response to that question. What do I remember, replied the captain? I remember the terrible fear that I was going to have my head blown off. 
and, and, and I was going to have my passengers slaughtered. I remember that well. I remember the bitter accusations of these men inside of the plane. I remember the smell of the enemy. But most of all, he said, most of all, I remember the constant presence of Jesus. That's what I remember the most. Now, Testrachi did not have Jesus standing there in the flesh with him. Unless Jesus made an appearance that somehow the terrorists missed. But he did have Jesus standing there in his flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. And at a moment when many people would be at their worst, John Testrachi was able to be at his best at a time when it really counted for those hundreds of passengers behind him on the plane because John Testrachi was being ministered to by the comforter, by the great comforter. Do you have that kind of ministry happening in your life? Do you know personally the Holy Spirit speaking to you what Jesus would say to you were he standing here in the flesh? Can you think of times in your life when you've heard the Spirit saying to you, in effect, I know you're afraid, I understand you fear dying, but I want you to remember that I am the resurrection and the life, and because I live, you will live also. Or I know that you're in a world of hurt right now. I understand that you're struggling and you, do, you wonder when this time of confusion or pain is going to end, but I want to say to you this. In this world, you will suffer, but be brave. Be brave, for I have overcome the world And if you stay with me, so will you. Or I know that you may feel like everybody that you've loved is leaving you right now. You've lost that loved one recently, that you may have moved away from that location that was such a home for you. You may find yourself being abandoned by the people you thought you could count on. But here's my promise to you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the very end of this age. Or I know it seems like your life is unraveling. You cannot make sense of the circumstances. It just seems to be coming so chaotically, life, at you right now. But I know the plans that I have for you to give you a future and a hope. And all things will indeed work together for the good if you love me and you keep responding to the calling of my purposes. For as a mother comforts her child, so shall I comfort you, says the Lord. Do you ever hear the voice of the parakletos, of the Holy Spirit, of the comforter, speaking God's word to you? Maybe you find yourself at a place in your journey where it's not so much the comfort of God that you need most as his counsel. And and that's a second implication of this word parakletos. It's sometimes translated as the counselor, suggesting that God brings us not only comfort for our heart, but guidance for our minds. And indeed, that is the second ministry 
for the Holy Spirit seeks to be our counselor. In chapter 16 of John's Gospel, Jesus tells us the Spirit counsels us in a variety of ways. Sometimes the counselor comes to reprove us of sin. He comes to to challenge some pattern in our lives that needs addressing and changing. Sometimes he comes to show us God's righteousness, to reveal for us more of the beauty of God's goodness that we might be inspired to lean into that, to reach for that ourselves. Sometimes the counselor comes to announce God's judgment on evil. He, He comes to reassure us that God is not missing what's happening in this world. There's going to be accountability one day. We, we need not fear that evil will ultimately uh, reign and win. Sometimes the counselor comes to guide us into the right ways, to lead us in the paths of God, to show us amidst the confusing choices of our time, this is the step, next step you should take. This is where I want you to go. Sometimes the counselor comes to give us uh, insight into the future, to give us a, a glimpse of what God may be doing so that we can begin to move in that direction. I believe that the Holy Spirit, the great advocate, could be offering some form of counsel to you right now. That there are many messages he might be speaking into this room right now. Maybe he's calling some of us to tame our tongue. Uh, We've gotten used to using that tongue rather sharply. And and it's not the way of Jesus to, to speak in these terms. He's calling us to tame our tongue. He's convicting us, reproving us of the sinful way that we've been using our tongue. Maybe he's calling us to turn from some adultery in our life, some abandonment of our vows, uh, some, some way that we've been using our bodies or even, even our attitude has, has shifted off of the covenants that we've once made. Perhaps he's calling us to slow down. I believe that, that some of us right now are moving at a pace through our lives that is dangerous for us, it's not, the, it's not living, uh, it's, not, it, it's, it's a living insanity that God does not have in mind for us. And he's trying to say to us, slow up, I'm in control. You don't have to be the master of the universe, the sovereign Lord of the earth. I'm, I've taken care of that. I want you to rest in me, observe some Sabbath. Maybe God is calling us through the counselor to take up a ministry. There's a need that you're starting to see. Maybe you've heard an appeal for help from some source and he's asking you now to use the gifts that you've been given and to move forward with them. Maybe the Spirit of God is trying to challenge you to honor your parents more or to to pay attention to your children more, to be more patient with them. It could be the Spirit is urging you to express a greater love for somebody. Uh, Maybe it's your wife or your husband uh, maybe it's a friend who is, is, is wondering whether they are really noticed or cared for. God is, is encouraging us to, to perhaps voice respect and encouragement to somebody who needs it desperately. And he's counseling us to be his voice. Perhaps he's pleading with you to turn from some vice that you have now accepted as a normal part of your life or some deception that you've been hiding from others. I don't know what God may be saying to you, but I know this. He's a wonderful counselor. He knows what we need. And he wants to share with us his counsel, his wisdom to make the changes that we need to make to find the fullness of life for which we're made. Some of you will be thinking as I'm talking now, 
I'm not really so sure I've ever experienced God in those ways. I'm not sure that I very often, anyway, have found God comforting me in the ways that you're describing. I'm not, not sure I can think of too many times when I've really felt the clear counsel of God speaking within me in ways that I, that, that I recognized or needed. So you're thinking to yourself, is there some way, Dan? Is there some way, something I can do to increase the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit in my life so I'm having this kind of experience of God? This is what you're wondering right now. I'm so glad you asked because I'm so eager to share with you how you can cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me suggest to you that there are just a few simple things that you and I can more intentionally lean into that will make a difference in this regard. First of all, you can ask the Holy Spirit into your life. You can ask the Spirit to come and fill up your life more fully. Many years ago, the Apostle Paul was working with the Christians at Ephesus. The Ephesian Christians were the Chicagoans of the day, in a sense. They lived in a prosperous uh, metropolitan area. They, uh, it was a city uh, on a great body of water. Uh, these were sophisticated, reasonably, relatively well-educated people, but they were not uh, experiencing the fullness of life that God had intended. And Paul noticed it. He entered into their circle and he noticed these folks were doing everything by their own ingenuity, their own energy. They just were not filled by the power that, that Paul had seen working in other areas uh, of the early church's life. And so he said to them, I'm quoting Paul in Acts chapter 19 and, and verse 2. So he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? When, when you assented to your need of a Savior, did you also welcome in the presence of God to be your Lord in your life? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? And they replied, no. No, honestly, no. We've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And so the Ephesians then ask for the Holy Spirit to enter into them. And Acts chapter 19 records, and I quote, that when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And history shows that the Ephesian church now goes on to become one of the most influential churches in the ancient world. One of the most powerful sources of influence as God had intended them to be. You know, God is not at all like those people that call you at dinner time and interrupt you. How many of you ever get one of those phone calls? Right? Oh, gosh. This, you know, you get up from the, from the table and you go over and you look at the phone, you read the call, and it's some organization that's interrupting you. Somebody trying to take a poll, somebody asking for money. God's not like that. God's not like a door-to-door salesman coming, who comes, raps at your door, and insists that you buy the magazine. God is not like... A DE agent that kind of rams, or one of those cop shows that rams the door open and comes flooding into your house. God is not like that. God is kind and considerate. God is patient. God is, in an ultimate sense, a, a gentle person. And, and for that reason, he waits upon us to ask him in. In fact, Jesus says in one of the most famous utterances ever to come from his mouth, uttered, by the way, through the voice of the Spirit 
in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and do what? I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 11, Jesus says to his disciples, Your heavenly Father, he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So ask. Ask him. If you've never done it before, open the door of your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to come in. If you've made that invitation before, ask him to come in deeper. You know, ask him to fill up every room of your, of your life, to go into the bedroom of your life and into the study where you do your finances and into that back closet that you've got locked up and into the kitchen of your life and it, that deals with your appetites. And ask him to come and make his presence a felt, to, to offer his comfort, his counsel, his advocacy for his kingdom's way in every part of your life. Because he promises that if we ask, he will come in. I am discovering that as I go through my own spiritual journey in life, that I have to be somewhat careful to be conscious of a secondary need here. I'm discovering that if I've asked the Holy Spirit into my life, I also need to truly listen for what he says to me. Can you imagine how successful a relationship would be where one person did all of the talking but never really paused to listen to what the other person had to say? Some of you are thinking that happens in my house right now. You know? How successful are relationships where it's just a one-way conversation? And yet, how often does this characterize our relationship with God? I mean, I confess it for myself. Sometimes my relationship just devolves into this thing with me talking. You know, me running out my shopping list of needs. Or, or, or my catalog of the areas where I wish God would get things under better control. Or, or, or people that I want God to heal, right? And how seldom sometimes am I truly waiting upon the Lord, listening for what he has to say to me. The Holy Spirit does not only not bash in our door. Once he's inside, he doesn't shout. He, he doesn't shout at us. On the contrary, I found he usually speaks pretty softly. The times that I have found his comfort or heard his counsel to me were almost always time when I had taken measures to still the noise, to slow down, And it was then that I heard that still, small voice. That still, small voice by which the Holy Spirit has spoken through history. So try this. Try this for yourself this week. Maybe this week, get up just 30 minutes earlier than you normally do. And go out for a walk. And just go around the block. Just go for a stroll. And ask God, speak to me. What is it I need to hear? Or find yourself a cup of coffee and some quiet place in your home and, and, and just take out a piece of paper or a journal and, and just open it up and say, Lord, what do you want me to hear? Or stop in the middle of a crazy day. You're feeling the pressure mounting on you. 
you know, your, bu- your head is buzzing with all the stuff you have to get done or your confusion over a particular problem, just stop, bow your head, put your face in your hands perhaps, and just quiet yourself and say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. Lord, this is what's going on. What do you want me to know? What do you want me to feel? What do you want me to do? And then just wait for the impulses, the thoughts, the suggestions that come to your mind as the comforter and counselor, the great advocate, the parakletos, speaks life to you. As you listen for what God may say to you, I want to encourage you to keep in mind two particular cautions. First of all, be prepared to accept what the Holy Spirit might not say. Okay? Uh, Be prepared that there are certain things that might not come your way, though you wish they would. In our text for today, Jesus says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Now, it sounds like, if you're really filled up with the Holy Spirit, that Jesus Christ will give you all the answers you want. Right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. There's going to come a time when you're going to get all the answers you want. The Apostle Paul says in his letter to the Corinthian church, that one day we shall fully know, even as we're fully known. But that's not what Jesus means here. Christ is saying that though the Spirit will not teach us all the things we'd like to know now, he will teach us everything we need to know now to fulfill God's purposes. God has a right to his secrets, as Dr. Arthur de Kreider used to tell us here. Uh, And he's just not going to give you, for his own reasons, all the information that you might want. But he's going to give you enough. In other words, he might not tell you why cancer exists. But he can teach you how to find love and hope in the midst of it. He may not explain to you why evil prospers. I wish I had that answer myself. But he will instruct us on how we're meant to respond when we face evil. He may not reveal why God allows birth defects or disasters or the Blackhawks to lose. But his Holy Spirit will make abundantly clear how his people are meant to treat those who are afflicted with these calamities. Do you see the distinction between what we like and what we need in the moment to fulfill his kingdom's purposes? So, Be prepared to accept what the Holy Spirit might not say. Second caution, be careful to test what the Spirit is saying or what you believe the Spirit's saying against the Scriptures. Uh, Just measure up what you're saying. Test it against the plumb line of God's Word. You know, there are some in our time who suggest that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to reveal to us major truths that God has somehow never gotten around to telling us before. There, there are actually religious movements uh, that would suggest that God is now revealing radically new things that he never thought it important to tell us in the past. In fact, there are cult leaders out there who claim that the Holy Spirit has given them some very special new revelation that's not contained in the Bible anywhere. You'll find no trace or, uh, of this idea anywhere in the Bible, but trust me, this is what God wants us to do now. Be very, 
very wary of that voice because it's not the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important to recognize that one of the roles that the Holy Spirit does play is to clarify us for us the full implications of what we find in the Scriptures. And there can be aha moments for us as individuals and for the church as the Holy Spirit makes clearer what God has said across the full counsel of his word. For example, uh, by the Spirit's light, the church came to recognize that, that um, we had been historically, even for centuries, misreading God's opinion on the subject of slavery. Uh, we, we had taken certain texts out of context. We'd, we'd, we'd not seen them in light of the larger message of God's uh, gospel of freedom and of dignity for all persons. And so this larger understanding of the full meaning of the scriptures led us to change our behavior. The same uh, kind of thing happened in our attitude toward the role of women in the world. Uh, through a larger uh, uh, light spread across the scriptures, the church ultimately came to understand uh, the, the role of women, the call of women in a deeper and larger way. So the Holy Spirit can give us a better understanding of the scriptures. The Holy Spirit also helps us to understand which elements of the Bible's teaching are spoken to a particular people for a a particular time and place, and which elements of the Scriptures are intended for people of all times and cultures. For example, I note as I look across the congregation today, very few uh, women have their heads covered. Right? And uh, chances are very few of you followed the dietary regulations of Leviticus this morning at breakfast. And that's okay, because God had a very distinct purpose for those teaching in that time and place to which those instructions were given. Uh, But the vast majority of Scripture is meant for all times and places, and the Holy Spirit helps us to make these thoughtful distinctions. The words of Jesus in John 14 are really instructive as we uh, consider any claim that can't be Uh, any claim to truth that can't be rooted in Scripture someplace. The Holy Spirit, says Jesus, will remind you of everything that I have said to you. In other words, Christ is saying that the Holy Spirit is not likely to teach us anything that is incompatible with what God has already taught us. We may need to do more work to, to read more of the scriptures, to understand how certain ideas are meant to be held in tension or, or which ideas seem to supersede others. That's the work of the Spirit uh, in us and in the congregation. But the Spirit ultimately seeks to confirm in our minds and to impress into our lives what God has been seeking to teach through his word for generations and generations and generations, no matter how challenging that truth uh, may sometimes be, and it sh- certainly often is. So, so let me boil this down to some final principles here and then let you go on your way. If I want the advocate to work fully in me, if I, if I want the, um, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to work in and through me, then I've got to, first of all, ask him into my life. And I've got, secondly, to listen for what he says. Take the time to truly listen to what he says. And finally, I've got to do what he commands me to do. I've got to actually 
do it. In John 14, Jesus explicitly says that the Holy Spirit comes as a gift in response to obedience. Not a popular word today, but it's there throughout the scriptures, obedience. I quote Jesus, whoever has my commands and obeys them, whoever's listened, right, long enough to know what I'm saying and now is obeying them, he is the one who loves me and I will love him and I will show myself to him. I will manifest the fullness of my presence and power to that particular person. Here in that text and then two other times in in John 14, Jesus tells us that obedience to his commandments is a precursor to, a prerequisite even, to the the, uh, impartation of his Holy Spirit's authority. Now, that may sound narrow and stingy to you. Um, I used to think to myself, you know, God, if you would just give me the power, um, I would obey you more. If you would just counsel me or comfort me more now, I would obey you more. He says, no, if you will obey me more, I will give you more of what you need. And suddenly, after I became a parent, I totally got it. It made sense to me. How many of you would give the keys to your car and a full tank of gas to a kid who didn't believe in in paying attention to street signs? Or a kid who thought, you know, I know that whole right lane thing worked for you, mom and dad, but for me, I think the left lane would be more fun to drive. I like to kind of, I like to mix it up a little bit. How many of you are going to give the keys? and a full tank of gas to that kid? Would you want the United States Army to start handing out guns and, and, tr- and, and give people artillery who, who, who had no respect for the proper boundaries and, and the guidelines by which that kind of uh, power could be used? No, right? No. Common sense says no. And in the same manner then, God gives us spiritual power only in proportion to our ability to show by our obedience to Christ's commandments that we know how to use it, that we're going to use it in a way that's going to bless other people and, and fulfill God's purpose in our own lives. So, so, so let me ask you this. How's it going in the obedience department these days? How's that going for any of us? Are you forgiving your enemies? Bring to mind the last enemy that you've forgiven. (laughs) Just think of that person. That you've given it up and said, Lord, I know you love them. I forgive them. I release them to you. Um, When was the last time you did good to somebody who persecuted you? They were coming at you. You didn't like it. You said, for the sake of Jesus, I'm going to do good to that person. Are you sacrificing any comforts Are you giving of your substance to meet the needs of the least of these? Can you specifically describe where and how that's happening? Are you using your speech to build people up around you? Are you purposely using the power of your tongue to encourage, to equip, to edify? Or is it slipped into the the dangerous use of the tongue that James in his third chapter of his letter describes? Are you honoring your family commitments? Are you telling the truth 
and conducting your business dealings with scrupulous integrity and honesty? Are you loving even your crusty neighbor as you would want to be loved yourself? In short, are we obeying what Christ has specifically commanded us to do for every time, for every culture, for every place? How are we doing in the obedience department? This is the bottom line when it comes to experiencing the Holy Spirit. We've got to ask, we've got to listen, we've got to do. These three practical steps aren't done just once at the start of the Christian life. They're not just a now and then thing. God intends them to be a rhythm, a regular rhythm of our daily life. In fact, when Paul says to the believers at Ephesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he uses a tense of the verb that implies continual action as in repeated, repeated practice. And it's through these recurrent steps of of asking, listening, and doing that the advocate declares God's truth and pleads God's grace and advances God's cause in us and through us. And in this way, you will become, you will discover that the Holy Spirit becomes your comforter and your counselor. And as we're going to explore next week, your helper as well, in a way that not only fills your life with greater blessing, but allows you to spread light and power into the lives of other people as well. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your word. Help us to take it into ourselves and to allow the very fruit of your Holy Spirit to grow up through us, and out into this world, uh, through our lives, in the days to come. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.